Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. And I have been living through the cold here in Utah. Always have to gut it out in the winter. It There's not much snow here. Always have to do a little bit more to live a high vibration life in the winter when you live in a cold climate like I do. And Today, we have a really fun topic. You know that my former career is as a psychotherapist, including specialized in sex therapy. And so I've brought my friend Susan Bratton on the show. She is a trusted hot sex advisor to millions. She's the number one international bestselling author of Sexual Soulmates. And she's created and published over 20 books and sex ed programs, including Relationship Magic, revive her drive, expand her orgasm tonight. We're going to have some really interesting conversations today about something that we don't talk about all that often. Earlier on, I did two episodes on sex early in our first year. One of them was on uh, sexual energetics and one of them was on Tantra. And so welcome to the show, Susan. Hi, Robin. So tell me, tell me how you got started. How'd you become trusted sex advisor to millions? How's that happen? Well, my husband and I were married. Uh, we've been married now 26 years, but we were married for a little over a decade. And our sexual relating had really just fallen off a cliff between having our daughter and two very busy careers. We looked from the outside like the most successful, happy couple in the world. But inside the confines of our marriage, it was nearly sexless. And we were very emotionally disconnected and kind of living what I would consider to be more like a parallel parallel lives shared in the same home uh, that were just platonic. We had become friends. My husband was extremely frustrated with me. I mean, he would beg me for sex. He would try to bargain. He would try to do chores. He would try to figure out what to do to motivate me to want to have sex with him. And I just wasn't feeling it. And we decided like any bright, young, you know, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, I guess we were by then, um, that we would try to figure this out. We would try to revive our sex drive, my sex drive. We would try to turn our relationship back on again, rekindle our sex life. And so we did all kinds of work. Of course, we read hundreds of books from Amazon and we went to Tony Robbins events and walked on fire and did date with destiny. We took tantric lovemaking classes. We learned about orgasmic meditation. I mean, we really just went to school on sex and said, what is it that we are doing wrong and how can we turn it around? Because I said to my husband, you know, I, I could replace you, but I could never do better you're a great guy. I feel like I'm a great woman. We're a good match. But we just have this one thing in our marriage that isn't good. And let's try to figure out how to get it back. And that was a big ask for me because I had kind of checked out of my sexuality. And so that set us on the path of rekindling our relationship, getting back together. Our sex got really hot. And it got so good that we said, why are all our friends getting divorced? 99% of them because of their lack of intimate connection. And how can we help other people have this renaissance in their relationship that we've had just because we went out and learned some things? So we started our, we started a company together. We'd always been, I always joke that Tim and I, my husband's name is Tim. I always joke that Tim and I, uh, it's not Al Gore that started the internet. It was us. (laughs) And it wasn't us alone. It was us and thousands and thousands of other people, but we were original dot commers inventing the internet. I mean, I, I, he and I both invented primary pieces of the internet. And so we knew that it was really just a matter of education and teaching people what we like to call the little hinges that swing big doors, little easy things that have a profound shift in getting you the connection 
an intimacy that you crave, that you dreamed of when you were a little kid, that you wanted in your relationship that somehow for so many people becomes elusive. And we started a company teaching hot sex techniques and bedroom communication skills. And over a decade later, we've got hundreds and thousands of customers, many different programs. And I'd say every single day, without fail, I get at least one email thanking me from someone who says that their life has been permanently made better by the work that we do. So it's extremely rewarding to be that person as well. You know, it's funny that you say that Al Gore needs to move out of the way and give you and Tim a little bit of a credit. Cause I was, I, I don't say that I helped invent the internet. I probably came along a little bit later, but you could be like the great, great grandma. I always say I'm a, I'm a great grandma on the internet because if you've been blogging for more than 10 years, you know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a word blogging much earlier yeah. than that. And so the, you know, life on the internet can change so very rapidly and your, your career lit up as a result of being out there on the interwebs. You had the, you had the, uh, or the vision to, to realize that's how people want to learn this information, partly kind of uh, from privacy of their own home. Now, when I was, you know, I worked with uh, sexual abuse perpetrators in the prison. I worked with victims yeah. on the Children's Unit of the State Hospital. I worked with couples and families. I, when we were going to talk about sex, I'd always warn people, when we're talking about sex, we're not just talking about sex. You know, if sex is wrong in the relationship, um, we're going to have to go a little deeper than that. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that it's always about sex? Yes. As a matter of fact, in my program, Revive Her Drive, which is for mostly for married guys that have, or guys that have been in long-term relationships and their wife or girlfriend doesn't want to have as frequent sex as they do. I say to them, the number one thing that you need to do is stop asking for sex and start romancing her again because she needs to feel romance. But the second thing you need to do is go through a process I call relationship magic, which is basically this little workbook that I've, I've sold a quarter of a million of them at least. Uh, you know, it's like a $10 downloadable workbook that teaches you how to understand what your top four relationship needs are, what you value and need most in a relationship and what your partner does. Because what I find with men who come to me and ask me about this is that for the most part, she stopped having sex with you for two reasons. And one of them is you're not meeting her other relationship needs. So before we deal with why she stopped having sex with you, which I hate to break it to you, is probably because you're boring in bed. You know, like <laughs> it's terrible to say that, but women need a lot of variety. We're estrogen driven, where testosterone needs frequency, estrogen needs satisfaction. And our guys, the only sex education they get is making stuff up themselves or watching porn. And porn is the worst thing you can do to learn about sex. It's degrading to women. It's not the way we want to be made love to. Like, sure, every once in a while, maybe we want to act like a sexy porn star and dress up in our little stripper shoes and prance around the bedroom and be objectified by our partner. That's not bad. That's just not the steady diet of the kind of sex and emotional connection and bonding that women are looking for. And so... Uh, it is really clearing the way by understanding where her needs are not getting met and where your needs are not getting met at the fundamental level of your relationship. And then you layer on, okay, now here's how you romance her, reawaken her sensuality, help give her the kinds of orgasmic satisfaction that she requires to actually want to be with you because there's this thing called the orgasm gap, which is that 90%, 95 even close to 100% of the time when a man has intercourse with a woman, it is sexually satisfying for him. But when a woman has intercourse with a man, maybe half the time, some women can achieve satisfaction and have an orgasmic climax. And so because intercourse is considered like the be all and end all of sex, it's easy for men. They want it over and over because it always feels good. But for women, it doesn't. It's a lot of work for us to have that as the thing that guys want to do all the time. And so, you know, it's just a lot of education that goes into it. But generally, men want to please their woman. They want to do a good job. They just don't know what to do because we are inscrutable creatures to them. <laughs> we are we are so complicated and we have a we have a real struggle even explaining ourselves to, yes, that, to men. That, yes, that's why this this relationship magic workbook gives you a way to write the four things you need most. So you can literally, I think my headline for the book for guys is, uh, you know, like the checklist that keeps mama happy. <laughs> guys, if you give them four things, they can do it. 
you know, you know, <laughs> I, I read, I, I read your relationship magic book. It was great. And it's, it's hard for me to imagine you and Tim in this like sex drought because the two of you have, there's a lot of touch. There's a lot of eye contact. There's a lot of expression of affection. And, you know, I think most people are probably familiar with the love languages. Do you and Tim share your love languages or the types that you're talking about in relationship magic? Or do you just learn to meet each other where you wanted to be met? Yeah, there's uh, so the love languages to me, I want all five. There's no, I just want them all. So I don't like that whole, like, what's your love language? My love language is all five and any others you can think of. I like everything. But the relationship values piece of it was really a breakthrough for Tim and I, where I did not understand, like, he was always touching me. And I, I was like, why are you always glomming on to me? Like, why are you always handling me, you know? <laughs> and he's, and we realized it's because that's what he wants. He wants to be touched affectionately all the time. He wants me to sit on his lap. He wants me to stroke his hair. He wants me to kiss him on the lips. He wants me to grab his butt when he walks by. Like this makes him feel feel good. It's his number one relationship value. It's not just about I need regular sex. It's actually I need regular touch. Where for me, I don't need so much. Like I'll come to him when I want it, but I don't need it like he does. And so... It's funny too, because I was talking to my friends, um, Mike and Rose, and they do this weekly lover's summit on Sunday afternoons where they have this little checklist of things they go through. It's their second marriage and they don't want to screw it up. They go through things and each of them has one thing they work on. And they're always working on one thing to make the, uh, their partner happier. And right now, what Mike's working on is not looking at his phone when Rose is around, uh, but giving her attention because that's what women, <laughs> they want that the most. It was just so funny that they were like the classic example of what men and women want out of their relationships. And what uh, Rose is working on is touching Mike every single day and giving him affection and making sure that she consciously focuses on giving him affection. That's what I used to have to do, but now it's become second nature. Once I learned that it was my husband's number one relationship value, I just started reminding myself to do it every day, just like Rose is doing right now. It's quite interesting. It is interesting. And it doesn't seem like it should be hard to do once we realize that if they're giving us lots of it, it's because they're wanting it. They're wanting us to give them whatever that that love language is. I mean, um, and we shouldn't talk about love languages because I know that you you feel like, you know, that we need to crack the code a little deeper than that. But I, you know, it's funny. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all good. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, we're all you're, you're adding something to the conversation as well as so is the Gary Chapman, I think is his name. You no, know, I, I just came back from a trip with my kids to Las Vegas. We went to a concert and we did some outlet mall shopping over the holidays. And, and I was listening to Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity yeah. in the car, not in front of the kids. Don't do not listen to this in front of the kids. But it's actually not that bad. And one of my kids in the car was an adult, but she, she, you know, kind of the whole premise of the book is that, you know, love and security and long-term relationships uh, are almost at odds with passion and eroticism. And I would imagine that a lot of women, men too, uh, can relate to that. Do you think that those two are mutually exclusive, Susan? No, I think that's wrong. Um, I, I don't agree with it. Um, what I think happens is that we start out with very little sexual knowledge and we don't add any, any more to it. And we expect the tiny little few fraction of the things that we understand about sexuality to carry us through one of the most important aspects of our whole life. So what I think is that though I'm a vanguard, I'm an early pioneer in teaching sexy sex ed. That's essentially what I do. I think that there are more and more people coming to the fore now who are out there teaching um, lovemaking techniques, pleasuring skills, bedroom communication skills. Speaking of Esther Perel, it's funny because um, she spoke at Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Conference. And um, what, what she said was that you know, that her newest book is Infidelity. And what she said was that, you know, because she's a psychologist, so people come to her to get fixed. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. What I am is I teach hot sex skills. I teach you how to talk about sex and I teach you how to do it. <laughs> not me one-on-one, of course, through my, through my programs and the videos we produce and the books we create and things like that. And what Esther said was that by the time a couple ends up in her office, like on the therapist's couch, 
because they have a problem and that there are two main problems that couples have. One of them is that they fight. They can't stop fighting. They're arguing. And the other problem is that they've cheated and now they want to try to repair their marriage. And it's quite interesting because what Esther said was that the people who fight is a very, very small minority, that the bulk of the people who seek her help, and of course it's Esther Perel, so they seek her help about things like cheating and infidelity and sexual issues, but that's what it is. There's no conversation in the bedroom for people to understand what it is they want and so, or what it is they need or how to ask for it or how to take it to the next level or, or, what, or to you know surrender to each other's pleasure or whatever it might be to, to let your partner know that you're totally bored with the way they're making love with you. And that's why you don't want to have sex with them anymore. You know, like whatever it is, that, that, that honesty of communication and the ability to know what else there is that's available for you. A lot of people don't ask for what they want because they don't know what they want because they don't even know what's available to them. And so this tiny little amount of knowledge to take you so far into such an important part of your world is where I think there's a disconnect in, in marital relations. Well, you and Tim are definitely showing the way and an inspiration because you have a child in her early 20s and you yeah. are still kicking it. So tell us a little bit about, tell us about, you were talking about an orgasm gap. And I know that more than 60% of women either don't regularly have orgasms um, and a small but significant minority have never had an orgasm in their in their committed relationship. So talk a little bit about that because one thing I like about your work is that you also talk about the health issues. I when I was when I was uh, selling my book Vibe to publishers, I was pitching them on two different books, and they didn't want the other one, which was um, the Amazing Sex Diet. And uh, my my publisher said, and my agent said, well, actually, women don't really their interest in sex is generally lower than men, which I think this is true when I was doing therapy 25 years ago. But I'll tell you what, I hear more and more and more of the opposite of that. I hear women who want to have sex and their husband's testosterone is so low. And I think has a lot to do with with our diet. But you talk talk about the orgasm gap and or talk a little bit about some of the health issues that lead to some of these sexual issues that you help couples with. Yeah, Um, the biggest The biggest issues for, so those are two very different questions. So I'll do, I'll take the orgasm gap first. Um, The orgasm gap, how to close the orgasm orgasm gap. And that is um, essentially um, understanding your anatomy and getting the proper stimulation to your genitals, to your breasts, to your lips. Also, um, Emotional, feeling emotionally connected, feeling safe and secure, make, feeling that you're not going to get an STD or you're not going to have an unwanted pregnancy, um, feeling congruent with your lover, um, not having any withholds or upsets that are preventing you from surrendering to your pleasure. Um, all of those kinds of things are pretty fundamental things that, you know, they're, they're obstacles that need to be managed if they are in the way. And then there's the whole um, piece of it, which is just really understanding how to stay with enough, feel and experience and get enough of the right stimulation that you can experience an orgasm. And a big part of it is that women have as much erectile tissue up inside our bodies as men do in their penises. And most of us, men and women included, everyone across the gender spectrum thinks the clitoris is that little tiny nub that sticks out of our genitals. And for some women, it doesn't even stick out at all. It's actually pretty covered by the clitoral hood and it's kind of up deep inside their tissue. And um, there's just not, there's the the clitoris is actually, it looks like a starfish. It has a little head, a little shaft, like a penis. And then it has little arms called crora and little legs called vestibular bulbs. And the vestibular bulbs come down on each side of the opening of your vagina and the little crora, they come down kind of, um, along your vaginal canal and they, they kind of like go along beside your G area and your G spot of course is up inside your vaginal wall uh, in your canal and like the roof of your cave. And that's also erectile tissue. And then there's another little sponge on the, the floor of your vaginal canal called your perineal sponge. That's erectile tissue. 
the lips of your opening of your vagina, not just the labia minora and majora, but the actual opening of your vagina that is a sphincter, that's called your introitus, that's erectile tissue. And so, and then you have erectile tissue in your breasts and your nipples and your neck, in your throat, in your lips, in your tongue. Um, and, and so you have all this erectile tissue and if you are only touching the tip of your clitoris or your partner is only touching the tip of your clitoris or maybe not even doing that, not even giving you that stimulation, how the heck could you possibly have an orgasm? So that's a big piece of it is just actually getting your lover to spend enough time where you feel totally relaxed and loved so that you can get that blood flow to the tissue so that you feel the sensations so that you can have the orgasmic contraction. But then, of course, you get into the, the blocks to it health-wise, and those are health, partner issues, and what I call abuse and repression. That's, you know, kind of a big bucket of like mental and physical issues too. And so with, with health, it's illness depression, pain from or trauma from childbirth. So many women, they have so much damage from childbirth. You know, the nerves get damaged, their pelvic muscle floor gets damaged. You know, there's just a a lot of issues with that. Um, There's scarring, cesarean section scarring, um, uh, fistulas from perineal tears from the baby's head coming out. You know, there's just all these things that happen to our vulva, which is the the technical word for your vagina, because the vagina is just the canal. I like to call it, and most sexologists and people like us, we call it the vulva, because that's like the whole system. That's all the components together. Medication takes your sex drive down. Um, you could be going through menopause, menopause and decide that you need to get some bioidentical hormone replacement. You could have lubrication issues. You might try like an oxytocin gel in your vagina or some aloe vera gel, obviously using lubrication. Um, there could be, you know, some vaginal rejuvenation. You might feel like your vaginal canal is too loose from childbirth and you want to tighten it up with a Femilift laser. You might want to try getting more sensation if you've been a horseback rider your whole life with an O shot. You know, you kind of have to look at like, okay, of all this list of stuff that Susan just said, where are my roadblocks? Do I have any physical issues? Do I have a drug that's lowering my libido? Am I just pissed at my partner? You know, (laughs) you got to kind of get to the core of it because well, and those are those are the health issues, and you've yeah. run through quite a lot of them. Some of them related to the transitions that we go through, and I and you probably, if we kept going, it would touch on you know menopause as well. But the things that we go through in pregnancy and childbirth and recovery afterwards. But we should just we should just add to that if you're listening to all those potential roadblocks, and and then we should talk a minute about partner issues. But let's throw in there that if it's bad for your cardiovascular health, your ability to enjoy your sexual relationship is entirely related to your cardiovascular health. So if you're eating fried foods and you're eating processed foods, it's absolutely going to have an effect on your overall energy as well as your even your ability to orgasm. So... Agreed, Robin. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I've been I've been seeing more and more that um, there is beco- there's becoming an awareness that a man's erectile dysfunction, his ability to gain or maintain an erection, is an early warning sign of cardiac stroke you know, circulatory issues, um, arterial plaque, because the veins in the penis, when your veins fill up with plaque from eating fried food, processed food, convenience food, junk food, fast food, anything that's not whole food, then your your, uh, blood vessels and veins, your circulatory system fills up with arterial plaque. And if your teeth are not in good shape, if you don't have good dental care, the bacteria add to your plaque. And so 
everyone's aware that, or people are beginning to be aware that uh, the lack of ability to gain an erection is an early warning sign for men for arterial sclerosis. But the same should be said for women, just because you can't see the erection as visibly. If you as a woman get out a mirror and look at yourself before a genital massage and after a genital massage, you can actually see that your clitoris will get erect. You can feel the clitoral shaft between your fingers. You should, you should try that. Try to feel it yourself. Try to massage your, your own vulva or have your partner do it if you have one. And almost look at it before and after. Take a selfie of your own vulva before and after you give it a good massage and bring blood into the area and you will see that you very much get the same kind of an erection as a man does. And so Robin's exactly right. It's what goes in is the outcome you have as far as your food. Yeah, I love how you've touched on so many different aspects of our sexual health. And there's really no difference between our sexual health and our overall health. And there's really no difference between our sexual health and our emotional health. They they bleed into each other. And I'm glad we're yeah. going to touch on partner issues and on abuse and repression because they affect so many women. And I just want to pause for a quick second and say, if you're feeling dirty from here in this conversation, then that's a really good clue too. That's a really good thing to look at. Like why, yeah. why is that? Because our sexual health and our sexual relationship are so foundational. In fact, I saw in the notes about your career, Susan, um, let's back up for a quick second. You're talking about a study about the fact that two, the two leading factors of happiness are quality sleep and quality sex. Do you want to talk yeah. about that for a minute? Well, more and more you're seeing research that says that what makes a difference in a person's life uh, that creates a truly rewarding and valuable life is in big part their connection to themselves and other through their sexuality. And um, if you read uh, Dr. Lindsay Berkson's book, Sexy Brain, she cites many studies in that book that talk about frequency of sex, even up to three times a week being the most beneficial. Like if you're having sex twice a week and you can get to three times a week, there's apparently this like massive uptick in trajectory of health. And if you have the ability, if you're in a safe, fluid bonded, monogamous relationship and you have birth control taken care of, for example, I do not recommend the birth control pill. If you're on it, I'd seriously recommend reconsidering it. But um, either taking your uh, temperature at a, on a daily basis and measuring your cycle or using a non-medicated IUD so you don't have to worry about sex and being able to actually have the man's ejaculate go inside you. It has all kinds of benefits for you. The man and the woman, and believe me, I support everyone across the gender spectrum and everyone's expression of their gender fully. I want you to know that no matter how you show up in life and whatever gender you are, either in your life or every day as it evolves, is good with me. And we're going to see more and more of gender fluidity just coming to the fore. But um, if you can somehow, if you are a heterosexual woman and you have the ability to have your partner's semen inside you, Take it because it's good for you. It lowers your depression. It increases your satisfaction. It increases your cognitive function, your memory. Having orgasms yourself increases your circula circulatory capability. It, it actually kind of gives you like an intensely, like high intensity interval training for your circulation system. You get orgasmic pulses of your circulation system that keep you healthier but it gives you the two good estrogens. It gives you testosterone, which lowers your anxiety as a woman. You know how guys, even though they don't know, and I'm sorry if you're a man listening, but we all know this is how you guys are. You know how guys are like really confident and really sure, even when they don't know what they're doing? Where women, if we don't know what we're doing, we're like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. 
that's testosterone. It's not even their fault. They're just wired that way. And so when you get a little shot of testosterone in his seminal fluid, your vagina that is is like a vaginal sponge up in there and it actually sucks it in and you get a hit of testosterone, which lowers your anxiety, lowers your depression, increases your confidence and increases your vitality. And so what this is all coming back to really is what you said, Robin, which is that your vitality and your sex life are one and the same. If you feel vital, you'll most likely, unless we get to this third thing as well, the sexual abuse, repression, and body image, and that's a big one for women. Um, if, If you feel vital, it's likely that you'll feel sexy. And so sex is good for you. The more you have, the better you get, the more you want, the healthier you are. There's so many reasons for trying to remove the roadblocks to what's keeping you from having sex so that you can have more sex and be more vital and have that high vibration frequency. Yeah, I'm I'm loving that you talked about why you know, you can call it vitamin O and you can totally steal this little tip to start talking to your partner about vitamin O. It's great for code around the kids, but um why orgasm is actually good for your health. You covered that really really well, but you also talked about why not using a condom is good for your is good for your physical health as well. And I you could do this whole entire episode just about the physical health aspects of a good sex life and more often rather than less often. If you look at a bell curve, there are men for whom ejaculating depletes them, lowers their energy, makes them depressed, even makes them cry. But that's a like maybe one to three percent of men. There are also one to three percent of men who are just not interested in sex. But for most men who Let's just say you're listening to this and, and you're a woman and your partner is, doesn't want to have sex with you. And you're like, I'm the one who wants sex. That's why I'm listening to Robin and Susan. Maybe they're going to tell me something that's going to make my husband want to have sex with me again, you know? <laughs> and um, I, do, uh, I do have a lot of information on my website or about how to revive his sex drive. But there are certain percentages of people for whom an orgasm actually makes them cry or makes them sad. But it's a very small percentage. So we talked a lot about health ramifications. You also mentioned partner issues being another big issue for uh, women in their sexual relationships. And I want to talk about that. These These are hard ones to talk about and they feel insurmountable and they feel hard to talk about. Let's talk about partner issues. And then we'll talk about your third category of abuse and repression, which get in the way of so many couples having a good, a good sexual connection. But let's talk about partner issues. If you're not attracted to your partner, you have to look at whether that is a physical issue or it's an emotional issue where they're not meeting your needs or both. If they're not meeting your needs, you need to figure out how to explain to them exactly what you need and to figure out how to help them meet those needs of yours. And if they can't, then maybe they're the wrong partner and that's a decision you need to make. But the first step is telling them what to do in a really clear way because they can't guess what the heck you want. The second thing is if they're if you're physically not attracted to him or her, if it's your partner as a woman, um, what is it about them? Is it a grooming issue? Is it that they need to tone up and get in better shape? How can you support them in becoming someone who is more attractive to you instead of giving up on them, working with them? If it's just what my husband and I went through, which is we got bored with each other. He didn't get bored with me. I got bored with him. And if he was sitting right here, he, he would, I would say that in front of him. I'm not telling you something that, that, he doesn't al- that he doesn't already know was the experience. And that's because of that orgasm gap where every time he made love to me, it felt great for him and he had an orgasm. But every time I, I did not have a um, vaginal orgasm, an orgasm from intercourse until I was 45 years old. And I used orgasmic cross-training to finally get myself there. Got a piece on my website about that as well. The URL for my website is personallifemedia.com. And almost everything I'm talking about, there's a search box at the top right of it. And you can just go there and search on a keyword and you'll get like 10 articles I've written about it. Because I write a, I've written thousands of things about everything that I'm talking about here for over a decade. Okay, so personallifemedia.com and you can search on orgasmic cross-training. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and that'll teach you how to bridge that orgasm gap. I've got all that stuff on there. Did, did you just say that you didn't have an orgasm till you're 45? 
uh, uh, from intercourse, from yeah. lovemaking, from from coitus. But I did have them from self-stimulation. I did have them from a vibrator. Um, I would once in a while have it from oral sex. Now, I mean, that's the thing. If you don't, if you're like oral sex, I don't even like oral sex. I got to tell you, you don't like oral sex because you haven't had good oral sex. You don't like intercourse because you haven't had good intercourse. That's because our guys are like the blind leading the blind. They don't know what to do. So it's up to us to teach them what we need. And here's the other thing. As a woman, you are different every moment of every day. That's your hormonal cycling, where he, as a man, is very steady state. He's very simple. He wants frequency of intercourse, and he wants a lot of affection, and he wants to be appreciated for the things he does to help out. For you, you're so different all the time because of your hormonal cycling that you just have to become a good communicator with your partner to say, today I want you to hold me and really love me, and I want you to stroke my hair, and I need a back rub because I hurt my back picking that box up, and can you rub my right big toe because it's bugging me, and then can you just hold me for a while, and then can you just kiss me really softly? I want everything so soft today, just soft, soft, soft. And then the next day you're like, honey, I'm putting on my stripper shoes and my lingerie and I'm going to get on top of you and I'm going to ride you and I'm going to try out this new vibrator or whatever it is. You know, you just, you got to tell him what you want and he will want to give it to you. That is pretty much how the bulk of guys are. And if he doesn't want to give it to you, it's that he's afraid, he doesn't know what to do or there's some reason why he is not. Here's what's interesting. If you look at why men don't want to have sex, and this is going to be a hard thing to hear because this is the same thing I hate to tell guys. She is, you are boring her to death in the bedroom. Like that's what guys have to hear. That's like, oh, I thought I was such a stud. My testosterone had me believing I'm such a stud, you know? <laughs> well, if you, if you listen to guys, especially in the singles world, they seem to think that it's all about how long they last. And it has the, the things they talk about have so little to do with what women care about. And you, I think a few of a few of your books go more to because because you know we'll we'll want to wrap up and I want to get to the sexual abuse and repression because yeah, you have yeah, great yeah, stuff yeah, on yeah. that. But what which of your body of work will help people with not attracted to my partner because oh wow I hear this so much and and you know like you've alluded to you know sex problems are usually communication problems and those are the hardest ones to navigate. So relationship magic has some stuff in there about it. Which of the other ones? Well, uh, so what I want to tell you is what it is women don't want to hear. What women don't want to hear about why their guy doesn't want to have sex with them is he's not attracted to you right now. He's not attracted to you anymore. He's, men are very visual and, and really the biggest thing. Women, if you ask, if you take 100 men and women who are currently, the man doesn't want to have sex with the wife, and you ask her what the reason is, and you ask him what the reason is, she'll guess correctly every single time for all of the reasons except that she's no longer attracted to him. So if your guy is not, is not attracted to you and, or he's not wanting to have sex with you and you want to have sex with him on my website, look up, uh, revive his drive. And it'll give you the research study that gives you the list of all of the reasons why men don't want to have sex with their partners. You can look through that list and then you can ask him, I'm guessing it's either this or this and have him tell you. And then you'll know, oh, okay, I'm not attracted to him. Any, I'm not attracted to him. Oh, that's the problem. They're never going to tell you that. They're just going to stop having sex with you. Now, that may not be your issue. I don't want to scare you. Believe me, I don't want you to feel any worse about sex than you than any. I want women to feel better and more empowered. But it, it is always nice to know what the real reasons are if, in fact, that's your issue. Well, and, and I love that it's a nice, safe, anonymous place that we can go for information, what you've been doing oh, yeah. on the internet now for, you know, a decade and a half, which is like I said, you know, great, great grandma on the internet. So, <laughs> so let's don't neglect, let's talk about body image issues that women have feeling inadequate, uh, repression, and what, what do we do about it? All right. So um, first of all, let's, let's do body, let's do body image. You, um, you think you look worse than you do. It's a byproduct of estrogen, weirdly enough. Uh, estrogen makes you unsettled about your, um, about how you look. And it, um, and I'm not sure, I actually don't know what the like biological etymology of that is. I should look that up. I never thought about it before, but I, I'd like to figure that out. Um, 
so know that you don't look as bad as you think you do. Number one, number two, um, you have to, you have to get familiar with your own anatomy, get a mirror, get a flashlight, start looking down there, touching everything, get used to it, looking at it at different times. So you feel like you're, you have a little more control and certainty over how you look, how you smell, et cetera. Don't be afraid to do it. Just go in the bathroom, lock the door, squat down over the mirror and take a look. It, it's, it took me until I was, you know, 44 to do that. Um, that alone will make a big difference when you start to see how beautiful your genitals are. And the more you look at them, the more you get conditioned to them and you begin to like them and then you begin to love them. So I think that's very important. Also, uh, the only kinds of genitals that you see in porn are little, little girl genitals. And that's not how the rest of us look, darling. We all have, you know, different kind. If you look at, um, there's a, there's a Native American female um, anatomy type model called Quidoshka that says there are nine different types of vulvas. Some have, you know, floppy lips and some have little lips and some have big things and some have little things. It's all normal. And men like the way they all look. There are very few men that have a specific type of vulva. They're just so happy to be near one that they just love them all. Um, the next thing is that if you, if there's a part of your body that you're uncomfortable with, cover it up with lingerie, put on an orange light bulb in your bedroom, find workarounds and compromises that still allow you to have pleasure. Stop denying yourself the pleasure. Don't let Madison Avenue with all of their ads and all the things that, you know, we're, we're drawn to beauty. We all like to see a pretty woman. There's nothing wrong with that. It just, it doesn't mean that we all need to be perfect. And men don't even notice our flaws. Generally, men, when they look at us, they see only pretty stuff. They don't notice cellulite. They don't notice wrinkles. They don't notice flaws. It's just, they're just happy to be with us. So we put a lot of unnecessary pressure on ourselves that could be alleviated with a bit of a, uh, a rigorous mind. Every time you start going down the rat hole of self-hatred or feeling embarrassed about how you look, just change the radio station to K-Love and start to talk about the things you love about yourself. Because if you don't have control over your own mind and your own thinking, you're doing yourself a great disservice. So enjoy what you have. It's not going to get better. You're going to die. Your life on this planet is very short. So just enjoy what you have. If you lose your health, you will be really mad at yourself that you didn't take advantage of what you had when you were healthy. And, and you can have sex till the day you die. Many people are doing that with great, you get better and better at sex as you get older. It's wisdom and learning and understanding. And so wherever you are right now, you can just keep getting better. So that's what I would say about body image. And as far as sexual abuse, you see all the stuff that's happening in the news now. That's the tip of the iceberg. You know that we, we women, so many of us have been abused over and over in a myriad of ways. It is unfortunately the plight of the animal that is human being on this earth at this time in our consciousness. It is getting better. We are all sisters and brothers in helping eradicate sexual abuse and harassment and shame and repression. But we have to deal with what is. And if you have been abused, then you have to get support to find your way through it. You have to begin to forgive your transgressor and you have to begin to forget it and heal and move on and reclaim your sexual vitality. Reclaim your body and reclaim it for yourself and your own good. Because if you let it continue to control you, then it wins and you lose. So whether that means going to see a, a psychologist or a sex therapist or talking to your best friend or just having that conversation or just listening to this podcast and saying, every time whatever the effect was that comes up for me comes up, I'm going to notice it. I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to move into my sexual vitality in that moment. It will no longer control me. I will release it. 
So, I mean, I don't know that that's going to work for everybody, but it can go a long way for a lot of people just to be given permission and structure about how to get through things. And forgiveness is a big, big part of sexual healing. You know, I love how bold you are in talking about these topics that so few of us talk about. I had to go teach 400 men in a religious environment um, how to talk to your kids about sex and how to confront issues of sexual abuse to keep your kids safe. And I'll tell you, there were some raised eyebrows because I said at the very beginning of it, I said, here's the deal, guys, I'm the only woman in this room and we're just going to get really comfortable with this whole subject by my saying penis, vagina, clitoris and orgasm a lot. I'm going to say those words a whole bunch of times and a whole bunch of old guys, especially ones like over 50. I was probably... 30 when I taught this class, their, their eyebrows were like right up there with their receding hairlines. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I was just like, so that's what you're going to do when you talk to your kids, you're going to use these words. If you're not comfortable with it, if you're, you know, if you're me and you're standing up here and you're really uncomfortable saying penis and vagina a bunch of times and you just do it, you just do it anyway and act like you're not uncomfortable with it. Because when you talk to your kids about it, when we talk to them about sex and we we don't use anatomically correct terms or if we look at the floor or we turn red we are telling them i'm embarrassed about this and you should be too and and i i like how bold you are and i absolutely agree with everything you said about body image you know what the skinny women have body image issues too i know women are not it's not it's not because you have an extra 10 pounds or an extra 50 pounds that you have body image issues you have body image issues because you're a woman in 2018 yes and it's estrogen, weirdly. Well, it's, and it's, you're it's so our hormones. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. Well, and you're so exactly right. You know, as I look back when I was 19, I was so insecure and I was so unhappy with my body. And I look back at it now and I was like, dude, I had it going on. I and know. Isn't that you know crazy? what? Yes. And when I'm 70, I'm going to look back at when I was 50 and say the same yeah. thing. And so I love that you said just lean into it and say you're only yeah. getting older. And so enjoy it. Like, don't. Don't ice this part of your life and right. cover it up and refuse to look at it and 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 continue to be satisfied with this lackluster situation or this stalemate between you and your partner that you're not talking about. I love how open you've been. I know that your content has lots more. We've barely touched the surface of a lot of different issues. I do hope that you ladies realize that men go blind when they're having sex. They aren't looking at the the cellulite on your thighs. They're not. They don't even see it. That men look at the whole talk to them ask them questions. I used to do this when I was teaching at the university. I would say, you know, can women be too thin? A whole class raised their hand. Can, you know, do, do you, are you looking at a body part? No, this is how men, men look at women. They're looking at the whole effect. Yeah. They're, they're, if they're in the bedroom with you and they want your clothes off, they already bought in. Like they're already yeah, don't in. Don't it them. Yeah. So, so they're not, they're not scrutinizing you and breaking it down by body part. They like the overall effect or they wouldn't be there. And if we can just realize that the eyes we see ourselves through, um, those need healing, but the eyes that are, that our partner sees us with, like they're already all in when, and and nothing's a bigger turnoff than a woman who's like, Oh, don't, Oh, don't look or, or, you know, or talking about the insecurities, like just fake it till you make it and you'll achieve that, that confidence. So I love the whole topic that you've covered. Talk about where we can learn more. You've given us some great little nuggets about specific subjects, but talk about the free gift that you have for my listeners and where they can learn more about you. I have a free gift that's really going to help you with the following. And that is that I I would like you to begin as a beginner with your partner in your sex life. I'd like you to learn some new things together that you don't know. I'd like you to have what I call erotic play dates. So maybe the play date is that he learns how to give you a truly sensual massage that completely relaxes you because relaxation is the first step in arousal. So where men are trying to get you to have an orgasm right away as fast as possible so they can so they can do their job because that's how they're oriented testosterone is like a straight ahead kind of a thing you on the other hand are estrogen you are a windy little brook a babbling little brook that's ever changing and you need to have your whole body sensually massaged in a way that gets you slow down get out of the stress of the day Drop into your physical, connect with your partner, remember how much they love you, and teach them how to make your whole body feel so relaxed and turned on. 
And so maybe you do some kind of a sensual massage, or maybe you learn how, learn, you know, 10 new techniques to pleasure his penis with your hands, something that you could definitely learn more about, I'm sure. And so you can have these erotic play dates that you, you just lock the door, make sure everything is quiet. You've got, a, you've got something to look forward to, schedule it. So you're looking forward to it. And then give each other feedback during the experience. And this is where couples really struggle. They end up having affairs and cheating or not having sex because they don't like to communicate feedback. So what I'm giving you is a gift. It's called the Sexual Soulmate Pact. And that's at sexualsoulmatepact.com. Just type in sexualsoulmatepact.com and you will get it. It's an excerpt from my number one best-selling book, Sexual Soulmates. It's one of the six essentials for connected sex. It's essentially a little technique that gives you a two-word phrase that you can use that will actually ignite more passionate lovemaking between you and your partner. It is a way for a for a partner to receive your feedback without feeling their ego being bruised and even getting them to the point where they're hungry for your feedback and you feel super comfortable giving them lots of feedback, so much so that it becomes a joy and the thing that makes you better in bed together, thereby opening up your new sex life to a whole nother level because you're getting the satisfaction and the stroking and the touching and the connection that you need, the time to get engorged and turned on that you need to live into your sexual potential. So that's the sexual soulmate pact. It's one technique for you for the bedroom. I love it. And thank you so much for being so real and open and honest and obviously passionate about your subject. And I just really have enjoyed talking to you today. So thank you so much for being with us today, Susan Bratton. Robin, thank you so much for having me. I love the work you do in the world. I'm so behind all of the nutrition work that you do. And I loved Vibe. What a great book you wrote. There was so much in it. And um, I really appreciated all of the thought that you brought to having that level of vitality. And I know you stand for so many people in wanting them to have a really vital life. So thank you for the opportunity to connect with you because I really adore, adore you, admire you, like you very much, and am a big supporter. 